Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Welcome back to Ghost of a Podcast. This week's question comes from imbibing, and she says, thank you for speaking to imbibing on your live, which I love to the utmost. I'm almost one year sober. I've been thinking a lot about the different threads of addiction, substances, capitalism, career, material obsession, and I'm curious about your thoughts on this. How do we come home to ourselves after abandoning ourselves for so long? Is addiction something fated in the stars? It feels like I'm patterned to be compulsive and to ride the highs and lows, whether that is via substances or work hours. Is addiction something that we learn to ride like surfing or a pattern that we work with to reprogram? I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on how to work with astrology and addiction. Please keep my birth information private. So first of all, uh, thank you so much. And secondly, I want to just acknowledge that she is referring to a live that I did on Patreon some weeks ago. So that's, that's what that was about. And this is a really important question. This is such an important question. And especially I think relevant for so many of us as the kind of upheaval that has been 2020, both in terms of social conditions and issues, politics, COVID, and associated with all of those things, the economy. I mean, it's just been a really triggering and intense time where so many of us are being forced to refer back to ourselves. And when we don't have the skills or when the skills that we have are wrapped up in addiction, it really, it can get problematic pretty quick. So there's a lot to talk about. But first, let me acknowledge a couple of really important things. Astrology is fascinating. Newsflash, astrology is fascinating. And one thing that's especially interesting is that the words we use, the language that we choose to uh, express our experience and our thoughts and our feelings reveals the planets that are speaking their truths through our idea. So let me explain what I mean here. You have used words like uh, obsession, abandoning of the self, addiction, fate, compulsion, and all of those are keywords of Pluto. Now, there's a lot of different planets that have to do with addiction. And it's something that I'm really passionate about, talking about addiction and astrology. And I even have a class on my website that you can download about this because it's, I think it's damn fascinating. But one of the main players when it comes to addiction is Pluto. Pluto's form of addiction or addictive tendencies is compulsive and driving. It is about annihilating yourself, essentially. It's about abandoning yourself. Different planets govern different substances. And Pluto, honestly, is pretty much a trash can addict. Just like, give me all the things, just all the damn things. Anything to make me feel differently than I'm feeling. Which brings me to the center point, very quickly in my answer, of what substance abuse is. Substance abuse is the symptom of a problem. It's only the symptom of a problem. And it's very important that you hear me say this because if the symptom of your problem is an addiction to, I don't know, watching TV, there's lots of things associated with that. And we could talk about that a lot. However, TV on its own is not addictive. You may be addictive towards TV. The creators of your TV shows or, you know, your streaming platforms do their best to get you hooked. But TV on its own is not an addiction. Like it's not an addictive substance. Whereas, let's say, alcohol 
or blow or, you know, many other drugs are addictive. They are not inert substances, right? They interact with our body chemistry and they have an impact on our bodies. So separate from whatever issues we may have or hold, those substances have their own agenda and that agenda is played out inside of our bodies and that is physiological. And so it's important when I acknowledge that substance abuse and also addictive behavior around things like work or TV or whatever, they are symptoms of something much larger, but not all symptoms should be treated equally because they're not all equal. And it's important that we deal with the symptoms, but not confuse that with the root of the problem. Now, let's talk about what the root is. The root of addiction can be many different things depending on what you're addicted to, depending on your personality, depending on what period of your life you're in. And also, it's always one thing. When you don't want to feel the way you feel, you imbibe. That's, the, that's it. That's the only thing that is consistent across platforms. When you want to change how you feel, you imbibe. If you do not want to change how you feel, there is no motivation or reason to imbibe or get lit or get buzzed or get fucked up, right? There's just no reason for it. Similarly, if you are pursuing workaholic behaviors, if you are shopping compulsively, if you are watching TV compulsively, if you are working compulsively, if you're scrolling through social media compulsively, any action that comes out of compulsion is a symptom of the abandonment of self. This symptom of abandonment of self is the way I feel is fill in the blank. You know, it's upsetting to me. It's scary to me. I don't know what to do with it. I feel like I'm drowning. I feel like I'm falling apart, whatever the fuck it is. It could be any number of feelings. But when you feel in such a way that you don't know how to, or you don't want to stay with those feelings, you grab your phone, you grab a bowl, you grab whatever it is, a drink, whatever it is. It's in that moment. It's in that moment where you feel something that you don't want to feel. And the compulsion kicks in to act. That right there is a moment for your investigation. That right there is a moment that requires your care. Now, any person who has dealt with addiction knows it means dealing with your demons. So let me bring this back to you, my dear. You got sober a year ago. Congratulations. That is no small feat. In a lot of recovery programs, they say you can get sober, you can get clean, but you're always an addict. Some people say that's wrong and that's bullshit. Other people say that's right. I am of the mind that that's right. And it really, it keys into your question. It's not about saying, oh, you know, you're going to be an addict forever. Therefore, you're going to be miserable forever. It's about understanding that addictions are a symptom of compulsions that are inherent to your nature. And those compulsions are a reaction to something deeper. And so you can work with your chart, but your chart is your chart is your chart. In other words, if you come from a line of people who are addicts, then you're more inclined to be an addict. And it's also going to be written in your birth chart. These things aren't separate. You see, if we use the kind of like AA model, and I'm not, I've said this actually last week, is I'm not trying to advocate for AA per se. I think there's lots of problems with that program. I think there's lots of amazing things, but it's effective and it's free. So I return to it often. And it also reflects a lot of Plutonian wisdom. So again, I return to it often. But from an AA model, there's this concept around sobriety versus being dry. So being dry means you're abstaining from the use of a substance or a behavior 
that is destructive, right? That you have an addiction with. And being sober is you are chronically and consistently dealing with the roots of that problem. These are two different things. And from my astrological viewpoint, real talks, sobriety is a lot healthier than being dry because you can change your behavior. But if you don't address the underlying issues that compelled you towards the behavior, you're more likely to have problems long term. And that problem may look a million different ways, including trading out an alcohol addiction for a coffee addiction and a coffee addiction for a work addiction and a work addiction for a scrolling through social media addiction. They're not all the same. So I'm not trying to say they're all the same, but it is about recognizing that it's a distraction from presence with the self. It's an inability to stay with the feelings. And so indulgence of a compulsion to do something else. And it's hard. And it's it can be quite scary. So for you and for anyone else struggling with this issue, of addiction in any regard, you know, shopping, food, work, alcohol, weed, whatever it is. The first thing I want to say is it's important to not go it alone. It's wise to ask for help because whenever a human is in the clutches of their own psychological and emotional compulsions, we are not able to see things clearly. We're not able to gain perspective because we're in this feedback loop that is informed by our flight or fight mechanisms. And when that occurs, all we see is I need to do this thing in order to get out of feeling this way. So back to your question, you know, is it written in the stars? Sure, yes, absolutely. We can see addictions in the birth chart. We can see the type of addiction you're likely to have, whether or not it's in the heredity. We can see, you know, the kind of substances you're more likely to use or the behaviors you're more likely to indulge in. And that's really important and can be really helpful. But also, if I can just make it real simple for you and anyone listening, at core, if you want to deal with an addiction, if you want to deal with your compulsions in a healthy way, what you got to do is create more space between your unpleasant or difficult emotion and your reaction to it. And in order to create that space, you need to choose to feel like shit. Because the only reason why any of us pursue any kind of substance abuse or compulsive behavior is because we are reacting compulsively, reflexively to not wanting to feel the feeling that we're feeling. So the answer is to feel the feeling. And to feel the feeling that all of your survival mechanisms are telling you to not feel that feeling. They're screaming at you, don't feel that feeling, do whatever you can to change the fucking feeling to change your thoughts, to change your feels. So then the work is to practice breathing into or feeling into your feelings. That's it. And this is where Pluto has a tendency to make things really complicated, right? So we do mental gymnastics or emotional gymnastics in order to substantiate our behavior or defend our behavior when in fact, it's really simple. We were abandoning ourselves in efforts to change how we feel or to chase a feeling that we think we'll get if we smoke something, drink something, do something, avoid something. So it takes bravery. It takes being willing to feel bad in order to get healthier and more right with yourself. Not all bad feelings are bad. Not all good feelings are good. It feels good 
generally speaking, to get lit, obviously, right? It feels good to smoke, to drink, to do whatever the fuck it is, to microdose, whatever people do. It feels good. It feels better than feeling your feelings. And it can be problematic, you know? It can be very problematic. Now, as I've talked about on the podcast before, I am not against drugs. I am not against recreational use, and I am not against pharmaceuticals at all. But what we're talking about here today is addiction and compulsion. And so this is really about choice. So let me give you a really simple metric to figure out whether or not your repetitive behavior is actually addiction and destructive. Make a decision to take a break. Make a decision to just stop doing the thing. So to stop compulsively scrolling, to stop smoking weed, to stop drinking, whatever the fuck it is. Make the decision to stop for X amount of weeks. I'm a fan of six weeks, but I would say the minimum should be three weeks. So make a decision to change your behavior for X amount of weeks. And if you can't follow through on that decision, you have a problem. And if you can, maybe not so much. And to be clear, you may have an addiction problem where you can still take breaks of six weeks or three weeks, more likely three weeks than six weeks, but okay. But at the very least, in those weeks, you will either find that you have replaced one addictive behavior with another addictive behavior, or (laughs) that you are confronted with yourself. And the confrontation with self is the healing that we all need with our addictions. So again, back to your question, my dear, dear, we can absolutely reprogram our patterns. It is absolutely possible and even common for people with deeply addictive natures with tendencies towards substance abuse to find ways to transform and transmute very plutonian words that energy into something creative and generative it is the very source of our greatest pain that is often the source of our greatest creation our greatest potential to help ourselves and others so having an addictive tendency in the birth chart or in our behavior does not predicate us to having to indulge it. It predicates us to having to deal with it. If over the course of life, you don't choose to deal with it, it'll deal with you. And unfortunately, that shit is much more painful, much more destructive. But it's very damn real. You know what I mean? Very damn real. Now, I haven't really touched on your birth chart. Let me do that for just a moment here. So you, my dear, have a lot going on in your birth chart. But a big thing that stands out to me is you have a Pluto-Mercury opposition. This inclines you to all the stuff I've been talking about, but primarily it is compulsive thinking. It's not surprising to me to hear that you went from a substance abuse addiction to a work addiction. And you know what? From a harm reductionist perspective, it's fucking fantastic. You're one year sober, You're not slipping with your substance abuse. And instead, that addictive compulsive energy is going into work. That's okay. You know, what we want to be able to do is be like, okay, so I had this behavior. I had a symptom of a problem and it was destructive in my life. And I was able to stop the destructive thing. And now I'm doing something that is, you know, much less destructive for me. And it's also still a symptom of my inner addict. Cool. Okay, great. You can choose to work with that. The key is not to be perfect. The key is not to be without any symptoms of ways that you abandon yourself. The key is to stop abandoning yourself. The key is to choose yourself. And what that means is sitting with your petty thoughts, sitting with your resentments, sitting with your frustrations and your judgments. 
because having Pluto opposite Mercury or Pluto square to Mercury in the birth chart means you have a ton of those things. It's hard, you know, to make matters harder. You have a Sun-Venus conjunction. Now the Sun-Venus conjunction, it's out of sign. You have Sun in Aries and Venus in Taurus, but they're very close regardless. Whenever we have Venus in close contact with the moon or the sun, we have a tendency to want to be liked very intensely. We want to be pleasant and pleasing to others. So we twist ourselves into knots in order to avoid disrupting others, upsetting them at all. In the context of addiction, even though Sun-Venus conjunction is regarded as a lovely natal aspect, and it is a lovely natal aspect, my experience as an astrologer is that when people have these aspects and other indicators of addiction, they become really problematic because Venus, when it's not in its healthiest form, wants to be accommodating first and foremost. And what we must do is strive to make ourselves authentic. It's the other side of Venus, authenticity. So striving to be authentic and understanding that's not going to please everyone, and that might shrink your world down a little bit, and that's okay. Being authentic means you might have less relationships, but more honest, sustainable, and healthy ones. That's better, you know? The question of do we want quantity or do we want quality is one that we all struggle with in various ways over the course of life. And the answer of what's best for us changes over the course of life. So it's really important to acknowledge when I look at your birth chart that this is hard for you, right? And so if you've gone from substance abuse to workaholism, then you must be pleasing someone, right? Or you must be getting some measure of validation from someone at work in order to sustain this addiction. Okay, that's workable. You can work with it. We're all struggling to figure out who we are. We're all struggling to be the best version of ourselves we know how to be or we don't yet know how to be. So don't seek perfection. It's a fool's errand, you know. Instead, seek the right path. And happily, I actually think you're on that right path. Now, I'll say one more thing about your birth chart, my dear. It sounds like you were able to get sober right after your Saturn return. And I can see that this year, for the next 12 months or so, you have the opportunity to develop good habits. Self-care habits, sure. Material habits, sure. But what I'm really interested in for you is habits around how you listen to yourself how you stay present with yourself, how and when you ask for help and who you choose to ask help from so that you're not asking people who you know can't help you as a self-fulfilling prophecy, how you listen to yourself, how you engage with yourself and how you care for yourself. That's, those are the places I want to encourage you to make new habits in preparation for the changes coming for you in 2022. 2021 is going to be a time where if you can shift how you relate to you, then you will have everything you need to be healthy in the way you engage with your more compulsive and addictive tendencies. They're not going to go away because we are what we are. But how you experience them will radically shift over time. Deal with the root of a problem and your capacity to handle the presentation or the symptoms of that problem become much more graceful and effective just as a general rule, and certainly specifically for you. Now, my love, I hope that is helpful, and I hope that you continue to thrive in your sobriety. 
On January 5th of 2021, Georgia has the opportunity to flip the U.S. Senate blue. And whether or not you're in Georgia, you can get involved. Here are some organizations that you can donate to and volunteer with, and the links to them all will be in show notes. One superstar on the political scene is Stacey Abrams. I know you've heard of her, but let me just tell you about her organization, Fair Fight, whose mission it is to advocate for free and fair elections by fighting voter suppression and promoting fair elections in Georgia as well as around the country. You can donate and find out more about how to get involved over at fairfight.com. Now, there's another organization I want to share with you, which is called the New Georgia Project. They seek to empower the new American majority to vote through advocacy and engagement. You can go to their website at thenewgeorgiaproject.org to donate and get involved. And finally, you need to know about Black Voters Matter. Their goal is to increase power in marginalized, predominantly Black communities. Effective voting allows a community to determine its own destiny. Get involved and donate at blackvotersmatterfund.org. Link to all three of these orgs will remain in show notes. Darlings, 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 let's talk astrology. There's actually only a couple things happening, one of which is really big this week astrologically, if we're talking about this specific direct transits. However, have you noticed a building of intensity? Have you noticed it? I feel like you I feel like you probably have. I have. It's a really intense time. And there's a lot of reasons for that, that are, you know, easily trackable without any use of astrology. And also, there's a lot of astrology to back it up. So I want to touch on something. If you are being critical, in your thinking, which I strongly encourage, be a critical thinker. You know, I remember um, when I was a teenager, I was in a classroom and there was like a sign on the wall and it said, critical thinking is thinking about thinking while thinking. Being critical without investigation or inquisitiveness is just being a jerk. It's just being critical. And so I want to encourage you in this period of eclipses in the Gemini Sagittarius polarity in this period where we are in the final days of Saturn's transit through the sign of Capricorn. Okay, we won't come back here for another 29 years. As we are in this momentous time, make sure that you are not just being critical and tearing shit down, but instead you are bringing some measure of inquisitiveness, critical thought, constructive engagement to things. I really want to encourage you to be inventive because... We are moving into a time that is unique, unpredictable, new. And within that, the more adaptability, flexibility, and curiosity that we have, the better equipped we'll be to make the most of it. So look at your behavior. Look at your motives. Be willing to be honest with yourself about what those things are about and make changes if necessary. And there's no shame in being like, oh, shit, I've, you know, been coming at things with a great deal of neg- negativity and now it's seeped into me and now I feel really negative or I feel like shit and therefore I'm treating other people like shit and I'm only focusing on the shit in the world and I need to shift that because I don't want to feel like shit all the time. There's 
got to be more than critique. There's got to be more than fear-mongering. We must move into constructiveness. And I am of the mind that action is the antidote for anxiety. I'm not referring to clinical anxiety, obviously. I'm just talking about situational topical anxiety. Action, finding something constructive, something fortifying, something positive, or to bring focus to where you can have gratitude. These things really help with anxiety. They're not the things we tend to choose when we're feeling anxious. So this is a good moment to reorient if you can, my loves, if you can. So let's get into the astrology of the week. We are looking at the week of November 29th through December 5th of 2020. Just drink it all in, my loves. 2020. Last couple few times I'm going to say it. So as I said, we only have two exact transits this week, but one of them is quite a doozy. It is a lunar eclipse on November 30th. It'll be exact at 1.30 a.m. Pacific time. So as a quick reminder, lunar eclipses are full moons. The sun and moon are opposite each other. And in this case, we have the sun in Sagittarius and the moon in Gemini. And the moon's in Gemini at eight degrees and 38 minutes. That's what's happening. And when we have a lunar eclipse in general, it takes up to six months for the effects to play out. Now, we can talk about this in the context of all manner of things, how this is going to impact you personally, how it's going to impact the world in general. And in particular, I shall say to you, if you have any planets in your chart or if your ascendant or your midheaven is around eight or nine degrees, it's worth investigating. It's worth investigating. Is there an aspect? And if there is an aspect, what is it? Because that will help you to determine how directly this particular eclipse is going to impact you and your life. Because we're looking at the polarity of Gemini and Sagittarius, what is going to be triggered around this lunar eclipse is issues relating to the truth. So what is the truth, right? Like this is this is something that I think a lot of us have had to question in new ways in 2020, because there has been so much propaganda, so many conspiracy theories and lies in the public sphere that it's really messed with so many of our heads. Millions and millions and millions of people are going to say that something is true that millions and millions and millions of other people are going to say is a conspiracy, is untrue. And I, I won't you know, pull out anything specific as an example, but I think it's happening on all sides and from all perspectives. And so how do you know? There are so many things where you look at them and you look at the facts you have available to you. And how do you know what's true? What's not true? What kind of research are you doing? What are your sources? These are really important questions to be asking. And, you know, this is something I've been talking about all year because it's been really relevant. But in particular, I have been pointed towards these eclipses, my friends. I've been really concerned about these eclipses as a time of great misinformation. It could also be a time where a meaningful truth is revealed. So isn't that annoying? It's either really, really true or really, really false. <laughs> That's a really annoying thing that astrology does is sometimes it says it's either this this thing or the opposite thing. And the reason for that is, is because it's energy. So to this eclipse, lunar eclipses and full moons are a time of a powerful reset. This is a time where we can let go. It's not just of a thing, right, or a relationship. It's about the pattern underlying our behavior or our engagement or what we're willing to 
engage with. This is a time where we can rewrite our story. What this isn't a time for is ritual. So every full moon, every new moon, I get questions about rituals. What what rituals should we do? Eclipses are not a great time for performing rituals, IMO. And that is because the energy of an eclipse is unpredictable. It is transformative and pretty dramatic. And it is not meant to be contained or controlled or uh, manipulated. So I would encourage you to do self-investigation, journaling, you know, talk to a therapist, talk to a bestie. I would not encourage you to be doing rituals. It's just not a great use of this particular form of energy. That said, within the chart of this lunar eclipse, so it's November 30th, 2020, exact at 1.30 a.m. Within this chart, we have a Venus opposition to Uranus. It's not an exact transit, but it is absolutely in the chart. What this aspect means is that we are meant to be inquisitive, to be open to changing our relationship to either our relationships, to our finances, how we organize, manage, think about, feel about our finances, or issues related to beauty or our presentation or curation of self. So within that, it could be about like how you feel about the way you look. It could be about gender presentation or gender experience. There's a lot of levels and layers on which this can play out. Not to suggest that gender is just aesthetic, but Venus would be related to that part of it about curation of self and how you are seen and how you feel about how you're seen. What's important is that you don't follow the Uranian impulse to jump to conclusions And then the Simon Sagittarius impulse to weave a narrative to match your feelings. Instead, this is a good time for investigation and curiosity. I just, I can't say it enough. Within this chart, we also have a Mercury sextile to Pluto and Jupiter and Saturn. This is wonderful. This is great. It supports us in being able to not just figure things out, but to have a grounded self-reflection around it but it will require you to sit with your uncomfortable feelings. It will require you to be willing to see things that you'd rather not see or that contradict the narrative that you have at hand, that you've already been telling yourself about who you are, about who someone else is, about a relationship, a situation, the world, whatever it is. Unless you're learning something brand new out of left field, learning generally requires some measure of unlearning which requires some measure of humility. Luckily, because of Saturn being sextile to this Mercury, it actually creates a greater kind of grounding for humility. It's beautiful. So what I want to encourage you to do on a personal level here is to really take this lunar eclipse as an opportunity to cultivate emotional intelligence, emotional maturity, and to have that translate to what you think, your attitudes, how you listen, and what you say. And when I say what you say, you know, I always mean not just verbally, but also like what you write, you know, what you post, all that kind of shit. This is really big energy. It's really transformative energy. And I want to keep it somewhat simple, because I think that the simplicity, if we can get into it, if we can go deep into the kind of roots of what it is that is happening, we can have the deepest and most far-reaching changes at this time. And in particular, of course, I'm talking about personally, your ability to show up for yourself in a healthy way, 
your ability to tolerate even your shitty impulses and feelings and not deny them or act on them, right? To like be with them so that you can transform them and change them if need be. These things are foundational to your ability to engage with others in a healthy way, personally and socially. It's really important. In regards to more of the social political implications of this eclipse, I think the most constructive thing that I can say to you is don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you read. Check your sources. And when in doubt, be a better listener. There's likely to be some measure of misinformation, miscommunication, or propaganda that comes out around this time or that is perpetrated in some meaningful way at this time that is unlikely to have its kind of full breadth of influence right away. Like I said, these eclipses take a long time, many months to play out. So we can expect to see something emerge on the 30th of November or around this date that will have meaningful long-term consequences. So, okay, here's the thing. People are going to tell you who they are. You are going to be telling people who you are at this time. And it might be messy. I want to hold space for our capacity to grow, to confront something in ourselves or in the world that we're not cool with, we're not down for, and to use that awareness as motivation for transformation, right? Everyone has their own learning curve. Everyone is starting from somewhere. Everyone has their own struggles. What I want to encourage you to do is not compare yourself to others this week. I mean, in general, please, I beg of you, don't compare yourself to others. But in particular, with this lunar eclipse, it's good to be informed by other people, to be inspired by other people. You know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel in life all the time. So learning from how others do or don't do a thing, very helpful, very healthy. However, when you get into comparison, you get into trouble. There are many ways of being. There are many paths that lead to the same destination. So find yours, starting from where you're at. The truth is true, whether you want to accept it, whether or not you like it. Seek the truth this week, okay? Seek the truth on this eclipse, even if the truth is harder than you want it to be or stickier than you want it to be. Now, that brings us to the other exact transit of the week, and it's happening on the 5th of December. And it's a Venus trine to Neptune. Lovely transit. It's really good for the arts, for aesthetics. If you like to play with makeup and you just aren't really great at it or you haven't done it in some time, this might sound left fieldy, but play with makeup. This is a really like Venus trine to Neptune. That would be a great time for it. Play dress up at home, you know, try your clothes on in different combinations. This is just a good time for a little bit of levity and playfulness with aesthetics. It's also a really great time for showing up for others. Check in on your strong friends. Check in on your friends who you know are going through some shit. Just shower shower people with a little bit of empathy, a little bit of care, a little bit of compassion and love. Venus trying to Neptune is really a great transit for feeling more empathy and compassion for others, for having more patience for others, or for deeply investing in the arts. And, you know, the arts is a very wide umbrella category. So I just want to acknowledge like that might mean you play all day with a tarot deck that you never really played with before. It might mean, you know, you listen to music. It could mean any number of things, but it can be quite transportive. You know, Neptune trying to Venus, it's healing escapism. 
You know, it's like taking a, a little break from harsh realities in a way that really inspires and fortifies. It's really quite lovely, I'd say. So my loves, that's it. That is your damn horoscope for this week. As always, I urge you to be kind and patient with yourself, with the Mishigas of this world, and with others. If you want to know more about the astrology ahead, you can become a supporter over on Patreon at the Kittens level, where I drop the December horoscope. I break down every single transit of the month ahead, and uh, you can get a little sneak peek on what's yet to come. There's a lot. I'm not going to lie. There's a lot. Also, you know, send in your questions. If you want to learn any particular topic in astrology for the astrology hot takes, uh, my midweek episode, then, you know, pop me a question over at Ghost of a Podcast. Or if you have a question about your life, about your birth chart, any kind of good stuff like that, go ahead and send it to me there as well. Ghostofapodcast.com. Every year they say the end is near. 